Welcome to the Global Hearted Podcast, where your heart for people around the world can deepen, and where you can be empowered to better reflect Jesus and His heart for all to know Him. I'm Jason Paulson, here with Anthony Taylor for today's discussion. That Christ has died for us, and it is in Christ's death that our sins are forgiven, that we're justified, and in that process of being justified, we have you know, we're regenerated, we've been given the Holy Spirit, and we enter into a, into a new life. We're born of the Spirit. We have now been born of God, as John would say in chapter 1, verse 12. So this is the gospel, and by the gospel, we've been granted entrance into a wonderful, ongoing, transforming relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and guided by the scripture. And the good news is that God has definitely acted on our behalf in the life and the death, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. And so when we turn to Jesus in repentance and faith, he responds and pours out upon us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit sets us free from being totally self-centered and releases us to love God. Now, in addition to this, you know, so now we live in joyful dependence upon the Spirit's ongoing transformation of our thoughts, our beliefs, our values, our attitudes, and our actions. And, you know, these are gradually changing and are being conformed to God's standards as the Spirit renews our minds. And that's what Paul says in, in Romans 12, verses 1 through 3. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. You know, and that transformation is a spirit-led process. Um, and so this spirit-led process of learning and changing is the glorious outworking of the gospel. And, you know, we don't typically talk about this, but speaking about this dynamism of the gospel and demonstrating the integration of our faith into our daily lives is really, this is Deuteronomy in character. And it reflects the New Testament teachings. And we can freely acknowledge that we're not perfect, while also acknowledging that God has met us and is transforming us, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.18, into his image from one degree of glory to another. And so this more nuanced description of our faith will better explain to Muslims what they see in our lives. And it clarifies what we actually believe. And it can open our Muslim friends' eyes and their minds and their hearts to the gospel. You know, and this is what we're trying to accomplish. So <clears throat> now I have to take a step back here. I really made a push for Deuteronomy. And I really do believe that, you know, um, you know Muslims, all Muslims should read the book of Deuteronomy, I think is really helpful. But, um, you know, most of us, it took me years to see this. Most of us don't feel equipped to begin uh, a Bible study with our Muslim friends by reading Deuteronomy. So, you know, I suggest that you begin somewhere else where you feel more comfortable with it. But the reason I, I say this is to, to begin, if you're thinking about, you know, ministry to Muslims, 
take the time to read Deuteronomy. Get a commentary. There's some good commentaries about the book of Deuteronomy. Um, one very good one is the New International Biblical Commentary on Deuteronomy by Christopher Wright. Um, you know, it's published by Hendrickson. And, you know, he's got some, some really good stuff in there. Um, there's the Bible Speaks Today series on Deuteronomy. That's also very good. Uh, and just to, to get into thinking about Deuteronomy in new ways. But again, I know it takes time to, it took me years to, to reframe that. And so, um, so I recommend, you know, that people read it on their own, you know, recommend to their Muslim friends that they read it on their own and feel free to ask any questions they might have as they read. Um, but Deuteronomy does give us a wonderful interpretive lens to shape our reading of the Bible with our Muslim friends. Um, so when we read the Bible anywhere, we should read the biblical passages to discover the character of God and to observe how his character develops in those who love him and to observe what happens in the lives of those who don't love him and refuse to submit to him because that the Bible is filled with stories of all that. So um, rather than beginning in Deuteronomy, I have found it beneficial to begin reading the Bible at the very beginning of the Bible in uh, the book of Genesis. Um, and I would say that Genesis is a great place to start with all Muslims because um, it's a safe book. It's not overly Jesus-focused, uh, and it introduces every reader to God. And so by learning about God, the, the reader is gaining a framework in Genesis to understand Jesus, because Jesus is God. And, you know, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, um, so even though Jesus is never mentioned in Genesis, Jesus is all, everywhere present. And <clears throat> another benefit of Genesis is that it introduces us to ourselves. For we are human beings, and the story of human beings and what we are like fill the pages of Genesis. And God is very present and active in Genesis. Um, so since the recommendation I'm making is to begin with Genesis, I suggest that, you know, um, let's start there and work together through the pages of Genesis. And, and let's point out things about the stories that many of us tend to overlook or be unaware of. Um, and, and I should say this, as I said earlier, this is the part of the joy of reading Genesis with our Muslim friends, um, you know, because we end up reading it ahead of time to get ready in preparation. And so we read it a bit more widely. We get some books on it and to try to learn more about it. And this wider reading opens our eyes to things we would never have seen had we not had the opportunity to open the book with a Muslim friend. But also when we open the book with our Muslim friends, they're reading it for the first time and they're gonna see things and ask questions and bring to light things that we never noticed before. And that's the absolute joy of studying the scripture with other people. Um, they bring insights to the table uh, that we wouldn't have had 
had we not had the opportunity. So um, my suggestion, even though I know that, you know, Deuteronomy is, is very valuable, it should be um, kind of encourage them to read it on their own and, and then get their feedback as they read it, but read through Genesis together to start. Yeah, I think that those thoughts on Deuteronomy and Genesis are very helpful as people are thinking through how could I study the Bible with my with my Muslim friends. And I I know uh, since I got your notes uh, talking about Deuteronomy here uh, that I've looked through and read through Deuteronomy and looked at some of the things that you've talked about and thinking through how I could apply some of those things in my interactions with my Muslim friends. And then I was just putting together uh, this with one of the earlier discussions we had about contextualization and how your, your story about your uh, Finnish friend um, with L Lutheranism, um, I thought about how Martin Luther, he was very aware of his sinfulness. Like one of the stories that I remember from a biography about him was that his confessor told him, be quiet, stop. I don't want to listen to you for three hours a day confessing that you don't have enough to confess. And so I was just thinking about the contextualization and how uh, that contextualization that Luther and Lutherans have done at that time has been brought forward. And we have to recognize that and shape our, shape our interactions and discussions in ways that can be, can be effective. And reading through a book like Deuteronomy that has a lot of, uh, like you said, just a lot of focus on God's law and God's kingdom helps us understand the focus that Muslims may have had in their, you know, in their own upbringing, in their own background. And then I was just also thinking about how his story helps us uh, see how someone who, like you were talking about, uh, seemed to live an authentic and integrated, integrated life so that the other members of the Bible study said, we know this is a good person. What, how is, why is he confessing all these things? Uh, being, living that authentic and integrated life allows you to overcome some of the cultural misunderstandings or missteps because uh, the, the people who are Muslim background in that study said, what he, all he's confessing doesn't line up with what we know. How do we reconcile this? And uh, just his, his apparent, integration of his faith with his life is able to overcome some of those some of those cultural missteps and i think as people read through genesis with muslims you're bound to come up with other other things like that where our western christian interpretation of something just doesn't align with what their cultural understanding is but as we've uh, demonstrated our commitment to jesus and our our um, morality, I guess, I don't know, but our, our commitment to following God's law outside of just this one setting, they can see, okay, I may not understand everything that's going on here, but I know this is a good person. I want to understand how to reconcile those two things. And even then you have an opportunity to, uh, to demonstrate more of Jesus as your, uh, making even cultural mistakes exactly i mean because <clears throat> they do they're watching and they watch everything 
which you hope that people are watching, your kids are watching, and your friends are watching, people you, you live with, in the, you know, if you share an apartment or something, they're seeing everything. Um, so, I mean, but we do want to integrate our faith into our lives. We want to be authentic. We want to acknowledge where we fail, but we don't want to cast this, this distorted image of who we are in Christ. <clears throat> like, you know, well, that's what our friend was doing, Yoha was doing. But, I mean, as they could see it going, man, he is not that way. <laughs> we, we've seen it. What is going on? What does he do in secret? And so I was so glad my Canadian friend was there and he just laughed and he said, we have to understand Finnish culture and there, you know, this is how he understands how to live out his faith. And so then they went, oh, okay. They, they couldn't relate to it because it wasn't their culture necessarily. But I mean, they understand if you want to love God, this is the sensitivity that he, you know, his culture created. Um, uh, you know, and this is how you demonstrate in in that group anyway, uh, the Finnish group, how you demonstrate your love for God. One of the ways, because, I mean, his life was transformed. I mean, being transformed, he was a very good guy. So, um, but it is, it's true. And, it, and it's, you know, when we look at Deuteronomy, it's, we could say, oh, it's just a bunch of laws. But if we sit back, because, the Jewish people looked at it like wisdom literature and they said, what ethics do we get from this? And we actually see Paul doing that, um, you know, in the New Testament. Like, for example, when he's, you know, in Thessalonians chapter four, <clears throat> you know, he, he merges the concept of impurity um, um, to sin, you know, so he, so Paul is taking Deuteronomy and pulling the ethics and the morality out of it. Because in Deuteronomy, in 1 Thessalonians 4, he, in verse 3, he starts this way. He goes, it's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. And this is a key verse. For God did not call us to be impure, which is talking about uncleanness, you know, which would have come out of Deuteronomy, the concept of uncleanness. Um, God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. And so he's he's moved, he's taken, you know, looks at Deuteronomy now as what can I learn from it, from these laws, guide me. And so when he makes his list, like in sinless in Colossians 3, or, you know, when he's talking about the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5, you know, he's getting these, he's getting these lists from what he saw in Deuteronomy. So, I mean, he's not treating it like, you know, um, this legalistic stuff, you got to be careful about wearing, because he knew, even in Galatians, you know, you don't need to be Jewish anymore to be a Christian. Those laws that created that Jewishness and that Jewish state, um, we're free from that, but we're not free from the ethical and moral requirements that were embedded in that. And that's where, you know, that's how they would have 
approach that law. So, I mean, that's how we as, you know, from Jesus onward, approach that law. Um, it just makes it more integrated. Anyway, looking at it that way sets us free from, from looking at it like an archaic book. But also, you know, our Muslim friends, you know, they're concerned with a lot of the stuff that's in that book. And it really helps them. Wow. Um, you know, the Christianity is not that far from, from us. And so it creates a bridge. It, 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 it's a healthy, you know, it's a, it's a healthy, you know, it creates connections, meaningful connections so that they can begin to um, read more of the, the Old Testament, find out what's in it, and um, open their hearts up for what Jesus has done for them. And, you know, when he was among us, and that he is still among us. Um, that's the beauty. And that's one thing Muslims do believe. Uh, Jesus, they may not believe he died on the cross, but they do believe he's alive in heaven. And, um, that's an that is a very important you know thing to to believe um, because if he's alive in heaven, he's he is someone who can help those who are alive on the earth, and that's what we look to him for help. You know, we pray to Jesus every day. So there's there's a lot you know there's a lot there that we can benefit from. Well, Anthony, again, thanks for walking us through thinking through thinking about Deuteronomy as a possibility and uh, helping us understand why that's a good book for us to read and for Muslims to read as we prepare to for us to read as we prepare to minister to Muslims. And uh, you recommended Genesis. So our next episode, we're going to talk more about some practical tips and then we'll get into uh, reading Genesis with our Muslim friends. So Anthony, thanks for your time this week. Have a good day, Jason. Thanks for joining us on the Global Hearted Podcast. If you have more questions about how you can find ways to follow Jesus around the globe, or if you have questions you would like to hear Anthony answer, email us at anthony.taylor at globalhearted.com. Or to hear more episodes, go to globalhearted.com. And now receive a good word. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age.